0: All right, so uh, we are uh, second week into a series called Right on the Money. And Bill kicked us off last week with this idea that um, we want to actually tackle the topic of money. What is is the right way to think about money in our lives? And it's so funny. Did you realize this was the second most talked about thing that Jesus talked about? money. Some people think that money is talked about by Jesus about 15 to 20 percent of the time. You look at his parables, you look at his teaching. I mean, this is something he hammered on. We're going to talk about why that is in a second. And I'll also tell you the number one thing he talked about as part of this too. Second most frequently mentioned topic of Jesus is money. It's, it's funny. Um, Bill and I were looking at this, you know, a sense been going almost six years now. You know how many series we've done on money? Zero. This is the first series that we've ever done exclusively on money. So what's the disconnect between what we're teaching and what Jesus is teaching? You want to know the honest truth? The honest truth is churches are generally afraid to talk about it. Because often, we get caught in this thing of thinking, man, are people just gonna think that we're after their money? And you know, do we really wanna talk about this all the time? You know, we, churches are afraid to talk about it. In fact, one of my favorite pastors is this guy uh, in New York, his name's Tim Keller. He uh, did a series at his church called The Seven Deadly Sins. One of the seven deadly sins is greed. And so he uh, was talking about it with his wife and his wife said, hey, you didn't, you didn't publish which sin you're doing on which weekend, did you? And he's like, well, yeah, everybody knows what weekend everything is. She goes, oh, that was a big mistake. Why? Nobody's gonna show up on the greed weekend. And they were right. (laughs) Nobody showed up. He's like looking around like, what happened to everybody? Why is that? Man, if we talked in here as much about money as Jesus talked about money, we probably wouldn't have a church. But let's not be that church. Let's lean in these next few weeks. Let's, what, did, what did he teach about it? How, why? Why was this so important to him? We're going to get into that. Uh, I want to share with you kind of one of the first thoughts I ever had on money. When, when I was a kid, um, I used to save my money for the thing that I loved the most. And when I was like 8, 9, 10 years old, the thing I loved the most were Marvel comic books loved them. Man, I'll tell you, from the very beginning, I was like Spider-Man. I I still love (laughs) Spider-Man. Love Spider-Man. And so when I was a kid, I was saving up my money every week. My little allowance every week would go towards Spider-Man comic books. They were 60 cents back then. So I would like cruise down to Mile High Comics, which was down on Pearl Street Mall at one point. And then there was another comic book store that was down... There used to be a mall, you guys, in Westminster. Is it still there? Like, there used to be these, like, hot air balloons that would go up and down. Who remembers that? Okay. Did they bulldoze that? I don't know. But I I just remember going to the hot air balloon mall because they had a comic book store. And I'd go in, and I'd be so excited, and I had my allowance that week, and I'm buying, like, my 60-cent comic books. You guys, I have, like, 200-some Spider-Man comics in a row. Like this, some of you are like mind blown right now. You're so excited, right? Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. But here's the deal. I will never forget. It was 1984. I was 10 years old. I'm 46. So just stop trying to do the math, okay? (laughs) Um, It was 1984. I'm 10 years old. And I go into the shop and I was so excited because something happened with this issue that was gonna change the whole face of Spider-Man's kind of comic book world. Spider-Man got a new costume in 1984, and the comic book looked like this. You guys remember this? Oh, some of you are like, oh. You you feel it right now. You're thinking, that costume's evil, right? That's Venom. And, And I was so pumped. I walk into the comic book shop, And I had my $2, this was 60 cents, I was gonna buy a couple comic books. I walked up to the counter, I was so pumped to buy it. Here's what happened. They had taken that comic book off the rack because it was an instant collector's item. So they took it off the rack and it was in the case at the checkout counter and it was in this little thing and I look at the, I got two bucks in my hand and I look at the comic book sitting, that comic book sitting there has a $5 price tag. I'm like 10, like, and I I literally remember thinking in that moment, I'm never going to be able to afford that. And I had this sense of scarcity. I'll never be able to get that. I'll never be able to get that $5 comic. Now, my mom was with me, and she pulled out her purse, and she bought me the comic book, right? There is... there it is, number 252. Spider-Man gets his new uh, uh, suit. And take a little guess right now. If you were to go onto the Mile, Mile High Comics now, is this huge venture down in Denver, they have a massive warehouse. If you go to the Mile High Comics website, how much do you think a near mint condition copy of this is? Anybody want to guess? $200. $735, right there. So here's what we're gonna do. Maurice, where are you at? Where's Maurice? Come here, bro. Maurice, um, Maurice played college football, okay? Maurice weighs 265 pounds right now. If you want this comic, you gotta go through him, okay? Thanks, brother. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I, I literally this week, thank you, thank you, brother. Um, I, I literally this week started, I I was down in my basement looking for that comic book. And here's what happened to me. I'm going through my comics, right? I'm like, oh yeah, I got to find, I'm going to use this on Sunday. So I'm going through my comics, 248, 249, 250, 251, 253. Where's my comic book? I start like, Looking around the basement, I'm like, I just had it. I just was showing my boys this comic book like a couple weeks ago. Where did it go? I'm like going all around. I'm looking underneath stuff. You know this feeling when you lose something like that and you start to panic. I got panicked. And I, what do you start thinking when something like that happens? The first thing I thought was, who's been down here? (laughs) Somebody stole my comic book. I start thinking somebody broke through the window. Somebody came down, took them. I got panicked. I started looking around. Finally, I looked on one of the shelf that I hadn't looked on before, and there it was, actually along with all my other really valuable ones. Oh, just, oh my gosh, my comic, my comic. Which was a perfectly interesting way that God got my attention this week on the passage that we want to look at. You know, Bill talked about this passage of Jesus teaching last week in Matthew chapter six. Jesus was doing a talk called the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we call it one of his most famous talks. And, and he looked at this passage where Jesus talks about money. And I just thought, I'm, I'm panicking over my Spider-Man comic. And I just thought that was the perfect way, God, for you to help me understand this passage a little bit more. Look at what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter six. Jesus says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths will eat them, rust will destroy them, and where thieves will break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, or if you're really smart, store them with Maurice. Okay, that's what I do. <laughs> where moths and rust can't destroy, thieves are not going to break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be there too. I want us to think about it today like this a little bit. Jesus, um, I going to use this because I think we got to get our minds around Jesus. Again, he's brilliant in how he teaches this. And by the way, you know, if you find yourself here and someone's kind of drug you along or it's your first time or you're not so sure about this whole God thing, like, first of all, way to go. Way to be here. Way to be brave. I love that. You're a hero in my book because that's why our church is here. We, we want people that aren't aren't bought into this. They're, we're all in a journey, right, trying to figure this out. If you don't believe necessarily that the core of Christian teaching, that Jesus was God who came to earth, that's the very center of everything that we believe. You don't believe if you don't, that's, that's not you right now. Here's what I ask you to do. Agree, hopefully, with me that he was a brilliant teacher, at the very least. And I think that what he's going to teach us with this might actually have something that could, even if you don't necessarily believe and who we think he was, might change your life. And so, so let's look at this, because he's, he's brilliant in how he sets this up. So here's what he did. In those first verses, right, uh, uh, this is 6, 19 through 21, I think. Um, he, he's basically saying to us, look, there's a lot of way that you can think about your stuff. You, you can take your stuff, you can take your resources, you can take everything you got, and you can put it into stuff that isn't going to last i got to tell you guys, when, when I was, I, I, ever since I've walked out of my house with that comic book, I thought, how am I putting it in the bag? Is anything going to crush it? Is there a cup of coffee close to it when I set it down? Like, You know a hundred years from now I'm going to be long gone. That comic book may be too. It, it, it may not be in near mint condition anymore. And Jesus is saying, how sad is it? He's not shaming us. He's just saying, how sad is it that we as human beings, we tend to want to put our hope in something that actually doesn't go anywhere. We tend to put our identity and and who we are and what we value into stuff that's going to end. Isn't that a little sad? And Jesus said, no, put it into something that will never end. Um, We're going to talk about this more in a couple weeks, but I got an update this week from uh, before we ever got started on the building project stuff around here, we decided as a church collectively that we were going to build a different church first before we built ours. And so we sent a pile of money to Compassion International and Stadia, uh, another organization that plants churches, to plant a church in Bolivia. And I got an update on that this week. The church is built They are going. Kids are getting sponsored at this church. They have like 60-some kids now being sponsored at the church through compassion. You guys, so many people in this room, you made sacrifices to make that happen. And Jesus is saying, that's the kind of sacrifice that lasts forever. There's no end. And when you make those kinds of choices, your heart goes there too. And when we make choices against it, our heart can go in the opposite direction as well. Now, here's what Jesus does that gets real interesting. I'm going to actually skip the next verse, and I'm going to skip down a couple verses because I want you to see something. Think about what we just read, about where where your treasure goes. Imagine if there was nothing in between, but this was the next verse that you read, okay? You, You wouldn't You wouldn't skip a beat. You would think that, oh, yeah, that's exactly logical thought. But Jesus is going to do something that's going to surprise us with it. So, So look at verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and you'll love the other. You'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So I want you to think about what he's setting up here like a frame, He's setting up a little frame of his teaching and he started in his frame with this idea about treasures and now he's framing it on the other side with this idea that Bill talked about last week of who is your master gonna be? Is it gonna be God? Is God gonna be the one that, that's our master or is our stuff gonna be the thing that is our master? And Jesus is saying there's a real clear line between which way you go. And so this thought and this thought Can you see they flow perfectly together? Now, here's the crazy thing. Jesus, in his brilliance on how he teaches, plants something right in the middle of these two concepts. And and because it's in the middle, we know that it's related here. Look at what he says in verses 22 and 23. It's a little surprising. He breaks this out. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. Okay, just stop right there. (laughs) Anybody ever feel like sometimes you read stuff that Jesus says and you're like, I have no idea what that dude's talking about? (laughs) Yeah, me too. When your eye is healthy, if my eyes are healthy, my whole body is filled with light, okay. If my eye's unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness, what in the world is he talking about? And what does this have to do? He, he set this up so well, and it makes sense, but I don't get the lamp thing in the middle. Here's what you got to know. I never realized it. I think this is so interesting. So ancient people thought your eyes, ancient people thought your eyes were the perceiving part of who you are. It was a metaphor, that if you were seeing things around you in the world as they actually are that your eyes were light but if you were seeing things around you that you know you you thought you had it figured out but you actually didn't you didn't perceive correctly the reality around you your eyes were dark and so it's a um it, they they had it as a discernment part of who they are. So if I see something right, if I see how the world's actually working, I see myself in the correct light, what's actually true, things are going to go well for me. That's what Jesus is saying. If I'm seeing things and I'm not perceiving things correctly, things are not going to go well for you. That's what Jesus is teaching here. Now, holy cow, hold your breath. Look at what he says in verse 23. This one, whew, If The light you think you have is actually darkness. How deep that darkness is. All right, before I tell you what I think this means, look at that again. What's he saying? Right in the middle. The light you think you have is actually darkness. How deep that darkness is. Here's what I think he's saying, you guys. This is terrifying. If you are perceiving things and you think you're perceiving things right around you, but you're actually wrong, whew, how deep is that darkness? If I think I'm okay, if I think I'm perceiving things right, but I've got it wrong, Jesus is saying, oh, that's a dark place to be in. He's framed it right in the middle of this teaching about money. And he's saying, you got to have light eyes. You see that? Now, here's what's so interesting, and this is why I love him. He could have said this statement. What if he had said this statement before verse 19? We would have thought that this, because it's such a, feels random, we would have thought that that refers to whatever he said beforehand. Or if he had moved this after what he said about two masters, we would have thought, this is, he's talking about the next thing. He planted it right in the center. Why did he do that? Because he wants to make it so clear there is nothing like greed that can confuse us. There is no other thing that we can do that confuses us and makes us feel like we're okay than the topic of greed. If I ask this room... And I won't do this. But if I said, show of hands, how many of you guys think you're greedy? Man, I don't, how many would go up? The reality is, are we actually perceiving the truth about ourselves and our, and our, uh, and our money and greed? Jesus is saying, guys, this is the thing that will fool you the most. And oh, by the way, It's the number one competitor to God. Think of all the stuff that could have been the number one competitor during Jesus' time. All the different gods and stuff that people were worshiping. Jesus didn't talk about those. Jesus said the number one competitor is your money. Your money can grab your heart. And so many people walk through life thinking that they're just fine on this. And oh, how deep is that darkness? Man, How do we look at ourselves in the right light with this? You know, here's, I think, what can fool us so easily about money. When we think about are we greedy or not, or are we not generous or not, all it takes is one neighbor who's, like, way richer than we are. All it takes is one friend who spends their money like, lav- like way more than we do. That's all it takes because we grade on a curve. And we look at it and we go, oh, man, I'm super more generous than that guy is. I'm not out there buying that. I'm not, you know, I'm doing great. I'm not greedy. That's not me at all. Or, you know, the other thing that's dangerous about greed is sometimes we actually think it's great. I remember back in those comic book days when I was 10, I watched this show called Family Ties. It was a show on Thursday night, a bunch of you guys know Family Ties. Michael J. Fox played this character called Alex Keaton. I idolized him. He was the greediest guy ever, and I loved him. We think greed can be hilarious. Do we think adultery is hilarious? Do we think stealing is hilarious? Do you see what's going on here? Jesus is like, watch out. This ain't hilarious. This will grab your soul and take it. And so many of us, our eyes can't see it. My goodness, me included. One of the things um, I loved last week, if you were here, Bill talked about this and and kicked this off. And he did a brilliant job. And if you haven't listened to it, I would recommend go online and listen to Bill's talk last week. Uh, it was one of my favorites that he'd done, and part of what made it uh, so great was that Bill was so honest about his journey with money and how it's been a challenge and that kind of, it was just a perfect way to start the series. Uh, I was listening to it going, I need to share some of my story too on this, and, uh, and, and I want to share my journey with money and, and light eyes or dark eyes in this story, I want to share my part of the journey, and it's different than Bill's. But it ends up potentially in a very, very dangerous spot as well. So I told you when I was little, I kind of viewed money as scarce. And, and so I had that thing in mind. And when I got to high school and college, I made a decision, I'm, I'm going to change this. I'm going to fix this. I'm not going to, money's not going to be scarce ever for me. I'm going I'm to figure this out. And so I started reading in high school and college uh, personal finance Books. I actually still love reading personal finance stuff. So I I started reading it, and here you know what they say? They say, stay out of debt, start saving really early, and if you do, someday you will be rich. If I had to summarize those personal finance books, those are the three things that they teach. Now, are those bad things? No. I don't think those are bad things, but Here's what happened with me. I started started reading that stuff, and Karen and I got married. I was 23. She was 24 22 years ago now, and we committed ourselves, we're going to do this. We're going to stay out of debt. We're going to save money every single week or every single month. We're going to just put it away, and and someday we're going to be glad we did. We started doing that. Now, we started working in the church, in a church, 22 years ago, the same time we were married. So like Bill last week, we were not making much money. It was crazy for us, looking back now, what we were able to do in terms of saving money. We had a massive part of our salary that we would put aside every month. You know how we did it? We didn't buy anything. Honestly, we, like, we didn't buy clothes. We didn't take trips. We never um, went into debt on anything. We, we were looking around at the people around us who were racking up credit card debt. We, I can honestly tell you in my entire life, I, we have never carried a balance from one month to the next, ever, because that entire time we were just saving money. Guys, stuff would break at our house, I wouldn't fix it. I'd just get my stepdad over and he'd fix it. It was great because he's good at that stuff. I I, I wore this shirt today. Some of y'all are like sitting out there and you're like, man, Jim's changed, man. He's a traitor. Giants. I'm going to Flatirons. You know, like that's how some of you guys are thinking right now. Like that's not, you know what this shirt is? I bought this in 1990. I have owned this since I was 17 years old. I've had this shit. The reason I keep weight off is not for health reasons. It's because I want to keep my clothes. I don't want to lose my clothes. Like, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to me was having a kid who's taller than me. So, you know, Josh got taller than me and I'm like, dude, this is great. Now I got a new set of clothes. So he hooked me up with these NMDs or something, you know, like this morning. And I'm like, this is great. Like, I just take his clothes now. I don't have to buy myself clothes. We have saved all that money. For all those years. That has been what we have been committed to. Do you know what happened to me? Some of you are like, oh man, that's awesome. Way to go. It was awesome in one sense. We were saving money. We were staying out of debt. We were still giving even. We weren't spending anything. But what happened was we kind of started living the American dream and we put a little Christian halo over it. And, I, and I'm not sure that we actually had a sense of what is God's view for this? And what happened to me over years and years of this, of of looking how other people were doing their money, I started saying to myself, you know what? I sacrificed. I built that. I took the risk. I'm the one who put all that money into that 401k, I'm the one who made the sacrifice on our housing situation. I'm the one who you know, doesn't buy jeans with holes in them. My holes are actually real. you know. <laughs> I didn't go on any of those trips that all my friends were going on. I, 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 so you guys know what I'm talking about. I built that business. I put that money into that college fund. You know how close a step it is from the idea that I did this to it's mine? We start to sound like those little seagulls in Finding Nemo. Mine, mine. And that's where I got prideful, entitled. A sense of like, I, I, I did this and so it's mine, 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 mine. You know how hard it is to be generous when you look at everything that you own and you say, I did that. My giftedness got that. That's mine. Man, guys, you know the central teaching of Jesus around money? The very center of what Jesus teaches us about money, and you see this in his parables. You see this in this passage and elsewhere. The center of what Jesus is trying to get across to us, it's his. The money that we think belongs to us is actually his money. Look at Psalm 24. Psalm 24 has a, a perfect summary of this idea. Check this out. The earth is the Lord's. Okay? Earth, God, God made it. God made this. But he didn't just make that. He made everything in it. He gave you your ability to take a risk. He gave you that giftedness that you have used somehow to amass whatever it is. If it's in the earth, it's his. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And Jesus hammers away at that concept. How how many of you? us in here, I'm just curious. You got a job of some kind where you manage somebody else's money? Just give me a show of hands. Who, anybody here manage anybody else's money? Or at some point you manage somebody else's money? Yeah. What Jesus is saying in his teaching is that is exactly true of the money that we think is ours. And in fact, what, what he's saying with this idea of two masters... He's saying, here's the danger. The second we start to think that our money is ours or that we own our money, he's saying, that's when your money owns you. You think you own your money. Your, uh, your money actually owns you. Terrifying to think we could, it's so easy to slip into that. Uh, I, was, I was talking with a friend this week about this whole concept, and he said something that I had never thought of before in this, in this light. I went, oh, there it is. Uh, we, we can look at our money and we think about um, it in a couple different ways, and this is how I have thought about money, that, that I ask this question when I think about money. Look at this question. How much of my money should I give away? Come on, this is, of course, this is how we approach uh, our giving, our generosity, and he said, what if, what if we thought about it from a different light? What if we thought about it with this question in mind? How much of God's money should I maybe keep for myself? Because that's, that's the way the manager thinks. We're not the owners. Jesus is teaching, we're the manager. And the money that God's given to us actually isn't ours. It's his, and so anything that we're generous with to whatever cause it may be, we're actually handing back over to God what is already his to begin with, and that is a massive shift in how to think about our finances, but that's the core of what Jesus teaches. I struggle with this, you guys, and I hope you guys hear. um, Bill and I... uh, (laughs) We laugh. I just think sometimes some of us, maybe you've been a part of an environment where uh, pastors have a reputation of being like, hey, I'm going to come on Sundays. I'm going to tell you all how to do this. Um, you've probably figured out if you've been around a cent, that's kind of not how it works here. Um, we are often not to be emulated. And, <laughs> and I wish, man, but that's just the truth. And so I just find in my soul continued struggle. If this is true, what we're saying this morning, how do I light up my eyes? How do I perceive this correctly? How do I know I'm not walking around in darkness when I think I'm walking around in the light? I wanna give you guys a couple thoughts I had about this this week. Here, Here are just some concrete things you can do to think about as you walk away. Are my eyes light or are my eyes dark? When it comes to myself, My money. Here's here's a few thoughts on this. First one is ask someone. You ever thought about asking someone? What if if you went to somebody you trusted and you said, hey, uh, do you perceive me to be a generous person? Uh, What I do is make it a little bit easier on them. Ask them this question on a scale from one to ten, one being not generous, ten being totally generous. Ask them for a number in there, one to ten. Now here's what you do: whatever number they give you, subtract two. Okay? So if they say eight, what are you? If you're a 12, then you've arrived. Okay? But any any you always subtract two on that on that question. Um, you know, I had I had something happen. Oh, you guys. This is bad. So a couple years ago, and I asked Chris Sturgeon for permission. To, Chris is our Connection and Growth pastor. And he came in uh, to Ascent to work one morning a couple of years ago. Chris walks in, and he hunts me down. And he's like, hey, Jim, I got something to tell you that's hilarious. I'm like, really? Yeah, what? Yeah, I was with a bunch of guys this morning, and you came up. I'm like, great. Were you guys talking about like extremely attractive bald people or like (laughs) what was, what were you guys talking about? He goes, no. He goes, um, we were talking about who is the stingiest person that you know. (laughs) Not making this up. And he, he looks at me, he goes, is that hilarious? You came up. He goes, is that hilarious? Thanks, Chris. I'm going to see how stingy I am next time raises get raised around here, you know? Um, yeah, so that one hurt. So I, I've, been, I've been thinking for the last couple of years, like, what's that mean to be known as the stingy pastor, all right? And, and, but, it, you know, it was amazing. Well, by the way, let's make a side note. I'm exactly the guy you want working on the building project, okay? So let get that out in the open right now. But so, so, so I, but I started thinking about that, and I started thinking, man, you know what he did? He gave me a gift. Jim, your eyes are dark, is essentially what he said. My eyes got brighter that day. I, I've been thinking for two years now, how do I be more generous? How do I break that perception of Jim Candy? Ugh. He gave me a gift that day. Sometimes when we get feedback like that, we often just want to, you know, smush somebody who gives us feedback that we don't like. What if we saw comments like that in the eye, through the lens of, man, my, my eyes got a little brighter. Thank you. Um, I, I want to encourage you, if, if you're interested in this, there's, um, there's a group that's going to be starting. Actually, in the next week or two, we're going to have one of our core groups just focus on this topic. And so I want to invite you, jump into that. They're not going to like go through your finances. We're just going to continue in that group talking about what did Jesus teach and how. If you're interested, you can go out to the next steps area, grab one of these little flyers. You can sign up if you want to today, but you can grab one of these flyers if you want to think about it with information on it. J.K. is going to lead that. She's got an amazing story, uh, her own journey with money, and she's, she is fantastic. And she'll, she's going to lead a group on that. So I encourage you to check that out. Um, coming up here. So ask someone. Are my eyes light? my eyes dark? You'll get perspective that way. Here's another one. Here's another way. Uh, Do you resent someone who's rich? Think about that. You got a neighbor. You got somebody in your life, somebody at school, somebody you know who's got it all, and you kind of resent it. Why is that? It's a sign. It's a sign that money might be our master. Here's why. We, the reason why we resent that is sometimes if we make money our sign of success, the way that we evaluate ourselves is based on our wealth, then we're not going to like people that are better off than we are. And, and that tells us that we are looking at our lives incorrectly. We have made money our master when we resent someone who is, is more rich than we are. Here, here's another one. Can you not learn from someone who is more poor than you? As you know, uh, you know, think about that. Is there somebody in your life that economically isn't where you are that you actually think you can learn from? Again, there are a million people, way more than that on this planet, who make way less than I do, who, way, who know way more about life, who, who maybe appreciate the Lord more than I do. i got to learn from them. If I have something in me that says that I can't learn from that, that's a sign. That's a sign that something's out of whack here. Uh, similar to that is this one, number four. Uh, do we just surround ourselves with wealthy people? Uh, do you find yourself drawn to people economically who are better off than you are? Why? Because it maybe is a sign that you want that as a status. Guys, that's a, that's a sign. That's a sign that uh, our eyes are dark and we gotta open our eyes to the light of this. Here's, here's another one. Just look at your bank account. Are you generous? Do you see generosity in your bank card, your credit card statement? I'm gonna show you guys something next week, blow your mind on how we think we're generous, but we actually maybe aren't. I think for a lot of us, if we, if we looked at that with, with bright eyes, it, oof, who knows what we find. Here's one more to think about. Where does your extra income go? Uh, we had a um, thing this week. Somebody emailed me and said, hey, um, Jim, we want you to do a talk on something. It's like a year from now, and it's down in Denver. And so short drive, two hours is all that's required, and they were going to pay me 500 bucks to go do it. And I looked at Karen and said, oh, that's a no-brainer. We're, we're for sure doing that. And you know what my instant thought was? My instant thought was 500 bucks? Oh my gosh, Frontier Airlines, I can fly down to Austin for like 30 bucks. I won't have a bag and everything else, you know, but I can, I can fly to Austin for 30 bucks round trip. We could both go down there. We can Uber to the hotel, stay at a hotel, eat sweet food, listen to great music, fly back the next day, and I bet you we could do that for less than 500 bucks. Not a problem. And Karen and I looked at each other and we kind of laughed in the context of this is what I was talking about this week. And we started thinking, you know what we do? Whenever any extra money comes our way, you know what we think about? Trips, food, and fixing up our house. Those are the three things that we think about. Any extra money comes our way, that's what we think about. How different than that is the, the think about this, the thought that the master just gave me some more money. How does he want it spent? What would He want me to do with this extra money? Yeah, I'm the one that's going down there and giving the talk and all that stuff, and I'm taking the time sacrificing it, but those are all gifts that He gave me. What am I gonna do with this extra gift that He has given to me? I don't think that way. I bet, honestly, I bet not many of us do. And Jesus is saying, lighten your eyes. Guys, don't let this be a master. Climb into the center of his teaching that says the stuff you've got is not yours. It's his. Here's what I want to do. I want to take a second and just pray. And I'm going to leave a moment for you just to have a moment to talk to God. Here's here's my request. Here's what I want you to pray. God, are my eyes light or dark? And would you speak to me? And we're going to leave these up on the board while we're praying. And maybe, maybe the spirit of God will just psh, have one jump right out at you. That you're looking at this board sh, and God says, pay attention to this. And so let's pray, God. We, um, we thank you that Jesus didn't just tickle our ears with what we wanted to hear. I love that he taught the truth. I love that he taught stuff that was difficult. I love that he challenged us. And I love that that was out of love, that he didn't want to see us go down a road that would destroy us. God, you're so good, and there is no one like you. God, would you help us to think right now about this and and actually take stock for a moment on the brightness or darkness of our eyes? Um, Would you speak to us right now as we pray to you? God, you're so good. Uh, We thank you for that. Move us into a space of generosity. In Jesus' name, amen.